nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Look at him. He runs like a Welshman. Doesn't he? Doesn't he run like a Welshman? Well, howdy, y'all, and a mediocre afternoon to you. I'm Devin, and we're here with the Suffering From Joy podcast. Joining me today is Seth. Seth, say hi to the nice people. Hey, I hope you're suffering as much as we are today. <laughs> Braden, how are you doing? I'm fine, I guess. Uh, <laughs> a, a little disappointed, as I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, I think everybody understands that. Um, Seth and Braden are both returning guests. Make sure to follow Braden at TFA Braden on Twitter. Uh, we're here at Suffering Pod, Twitter and Instagram, sufferingfrompod.com. Please leave us a review if you love the podcast, which hopefully you will, even though the result wasn't great um, <laughs> on Apple Podcasts. We can only control so much here, um, but it's a good day for suffering, I guess. Uh, so we'll have a lot of content. Um, USA won, Wales also won. Disappointing late, uh, penalty for Gareth Bale. I guess let's jump into it. Seth, penalty, no penalty? I mean, that was a clear penalty. I mean, there was, it was just, it's one of those calls VAR didn't even have to look at it. It was an obvious penalty. I just have no clue what Walker Zimmerman was thinking. Uh, Brayden, any, anything to add? No, I, I originally was like, there's no way that's a pen. And then I saw the first replay and I was like, oh, that's 100% a pen. Uh, it, it was pretty bad. Yeah, I had the same thing where I, I kind of saw it and I was like, no, his foot was in front. He got the ball. And then you see the replay and you're like, oh, yeah, all right. Well, never mind. Okay, well, um, unfortunately, I think Seth and I both got this one right. Um, Seth had us 2-2. I had us 1-1. Uh, a little bit in a reverse than what we were expecting, but um, we'll get into the game a little bit. Uh, tweet size take is what we like to do here on our uh, instant reaction podcasts. Uh, Braden, if you want to give us kind of like a tweet size take or like a headline on the game, um, how would you call it? Uh, to me, it's going to be that I, I think our inexperience costs us a point or two points today. And I think that that that's and it's not just players it's also bear halter like i i think he was a little slow to make changes into the game when wales was getting a grip on it and it cost us yeah i think so too uh, a lot of people i'm sure are going why the hell is jordan morris on the field oh my chasing God. a goal uh we'll, <laughs> well we'll jump into that very quickly um seth anything to add on uh Braden's point um, yeah, just lots of blown opportunities today. Actually, I thought Burhalter got the first four out of five subs right. Um, I can't agree on the fifth one there, um, as we've already alluded to. But yeah, just a, a difficult after, I guess, late evening. Um, and the U.S. Uh, fell asleep when they should have gone, should have pressed more when they were up one nil. Yeah, everything is uh, going great until it isn't. Story of the World Cup, right? <laughs> um, uh, Seth, if you were going to boil this down uh, nice and tight for us, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, it's a. This was a match. I mean, especially after that first half, with Wea finishing a beautiful um, ball in from Christian Pulisic there. That it's like, okay, I felt fairly good at halftime, which is weird, and I should have known better. Feeling fairly, fairly decent about something during a U.S. men's soccer game means that only troubles ahead, and I should have been a little more cautious of that. But would you this say is where you were we're, you were yeah. suffering from joy, Seth? Yes, <laughs> I was. <laughs> 
But it was, uh, yeah, no, it's just like, okay, once we hit that 60th, 70th minute there, I mean, subs were a little slow to come on. We had a lot of time wasting. And I guess this new theme of the World Cup here of we're apparently going to give the exact amount of stoppage time required by the letter of the law is quite a shift from every um, soccer I've ever seen in my life before. Yeah, it's definitely going to take some getting used to. I was trying to figure out how we ended up with, I think it was 10 minutes in the second half of the uh, Iran-England game. Uh, The 14 made sense to me, but... Um, I guess we're going to see it, and I don't know if it's the worst thing in the world, but uh, we're going to have to get used to it. Uh, I guess for my end, I'm going to say, welcome to the big leagues, boys. This is what happens. You switch off, you do something stupid, you get punished, you don't take your chances when you have them, you misplay the ball. Um, there were a couple times I thought Pulisic especially, we we get a break, we're pressing, we're going to go get that second, and he either passes it off and somebody else pulls it back, or there were a couple times I saw Wea or someone else just wide open, on the wing and we just don't make the right pass and well here we go i uh i'll add to i to your point seth after Kiefer moore missed that absolute sitter in uh about the 60th minute off a corner i was like okay maybe maybe we'll be all right here Uh, maybe it's our day (laughs) yeah maybe it's our day for once right um maybe whales are a little bit more cursed than we are (laughs) but uh in in the end it wasn't to be um Okay, let's get into the game because nobody cares that much about us uh, rambling on about minor uh, tweet-sized takes. Um, Braden, anything in the first half an hour um, before the goal you want to highlight is big? Obviously, we had the two early yellows. Um, anything there for you? I, yeah, and the ref was interesting all game. Um, yeah, that I thought that those were two. Not, I it's not that they were bad yellow cards. It's just, it felt like they were first fouls. It could have easily been a talking to, uh, but I think like this ref didn't have much control over the game. And I think that definitely affected Dest the rest of the game when he was defending. I, I think he was very much on the back foot and a little cautious to kind of be that aggressive defender that he wants to be. And beyond that, I think it's just, it, it was really good from our midfield. Like I think we have long said that, we, or especially when we did the, uh, review pod with the roster review um, midfield is going to be a strength of the team and I think we absolutely showed that today I, I think this will be an area for the U.S. Uh, going forward like if we can rely on midfield play like this we're going to have a chance in games and it's going to come down to whether we take our chances when we have them and I, we didn't do a good enough job of that while we were on top in this game yeah, there were definitely a few moments where either uh, Tyler makes a, a great interception or Eunice makes a great run and then just nothing. Uh, and I'm, I'm with you. We got we need to capitalize on those moments. Seth, any thoughts on the midfield, on the yellow cards early? Um, yeah, I mean, we knew that uh, Weston McKinney was not going to be in shape to go 90 minutes. And, I mean, he looked good in the first half, but clearly after halftime, it was like there's no way that he's going to be able to finish the match. Tyler Adams was our best player today. I mean, I give Matt Turner a great game as well, obviously. Not, no one's going to stop that PK from Gareth Bale, but Turner did his job. Tyler Adams did an outstanding job there and is the linchpin of this team and a deserving captain. Yeah, I don't know if you could hear it. Turner got a hand of that and it still went straight through him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, you could have had a, a robot there that was um, perfectly programmed to save that. And I don't think they would have stopped that ball. I don't know. Erling Holland's free. We could get a robot. We'll see. But I, hey, I, mean, I haven't seen the keeper version of him yet. No, um, I don't know. On occasion, Manuel Neuer is close, but not these days. Yeah, um, yeah. going back to the yellow card, second one for me with the, the follow-through with the back leg, I think that's that's a definite yellow. The first one was 
um, incredibly harsh. And I'm with you, Braden. I don't know if it was necessarily the play or just being in his head the rest of the game and kind of the the defender's version of hearing footsteps. But um, Des looked off. I didn't know if that was a fitness thing or the yellow card or what, but um, he was certainly not at his best. Um, you guys want to move into the goal? Anything else you want to highlight before then? I don't think so. Like, I, I think it's just a story of the U.S. midfield was good in that first part. <laughs> All right, Seth, um, what did you see for our goal? What, what did we do well? What did we do well? We actually played a ball into someone in the front three who was in position to do something. I mean, <laughs> that's a remarkably simple explanation on one hand, but it felt like we didn't actually get – I mean, yes, Timoya is not a traditional striker in that sense, but he moved into a striker-like position there, moving in from the wing to the center and was able to finish the ball really well. I mean, he, he did his job. Well, and I mean, this is kind of a, a classic false nine to a winger goal though, right? Yes. Um, you, you have – uh, Sergeant come back. He takes the ball. Um, there's a little bit of chaos that leads to the pass in. He passes it off. Breakthrough. Winger comes through. He's dead on with the goalie and and a great finish. Um, Braden, what do you think? A nice little outside of the foot there for uh, <laughs> uh, for number one. It was lovely. Uh, I thought the run uh, from Wea was also really really good. Like it, it was perfectly timed uh, to not go offside early and to just know where the space was going to be and, and provide a good area to play that ball at, at the right uh, weight and everything like that. And, and Pulisic executed that well. And I think Sargent deserves a lot of credit for that holdup play as well, because if he can do that, I think he's going to continue to start. Like, I, I think he showed that uh, he is good enough at doing that sort of thing. We'd like to add some goals there, but if he can do that and kind of let Pulisic feed off of him and, and kind of be a creator after uh, Sergeant holds the ball up a little bit, I, I think it says good things for us. Yeah, I think so too. And this is almost like a, your classic Mo Salah goal in a way. Um, Firmino comes back, you play it back um, to another attacker and then ball goes through. And uh, I, I think this got understated on the, on the broadcast, but he hits it at the exact right time with the exact right speed and just the exact height to get it over his leg. It's through the keeper, so it's not a little dink and somebody else can run it down. It's outside of the foot, so it kind of takes him a little by surprise. It's just an absolutely sublime finish for the first goal against Wales since Pele in 1958. So good company there for Tim Weah, not that he didn't uh, already have it hanging out with his dad. Um, anything else you saw there, Seth? No, I, I think you really covered it. Mean, one of the things that we'll probably get to later in this podcast is that, uh, and we've already talked about it a bit, is that Christian Pulisic was weak on his set pieces. But in terms of that pass, it was a really, really strong pass. And I'm glad that he at least was able to do that, set up that run um, in the course of play, which he, you would think like that's actually harder than doing that from a set piece. But sometimes I guess it's not. And this is why they're playing the game and we're not. Well, yeah, that's true. And I mean, we can jump into it now. Let's talk about the set pieces. I don't, I mean, even before the goal or anything, we had a, a pretty good free kick and a couple of corners early and it's, uh, the free kick was terrible. It had basically uh, no chance of getting past even the first defender, um, kind of a, from a low angle on the right side. And you just kind of look at it and go, okay, well, maybe that was an early, early game thing, but he had trouble beating the first man and it wasn't even like, oh, okay, it, it was maybe trying to like zing it in. It was, you know, hip height or knee height. And I, I don't know what was even going on with him. Um, Braden, anything you were seeing there? Was there like a weird run up or is he just not having it today? No, I, I think that's pretty accurate as far as today just wasn't the best day for uh, set pieces. I did notice that on some of the crosses, they were very flat as well. 
and, and not flat as in bad, but just like it, it was a very like direct cross and not a floated one. And so I, I do wonder if that's uh, if that was by design, like if some of that was we're going to keep it low because, you know, Wales has some big boys back there. Like, like they deserve I, credit may not be the, the right word, but like Wales is a pretty tall team. And I think that we thought maybe we'd struggle a little bit if it's just kind of like a floated ball. Whereas against other competition, maybe we would expect Zimmerman to be able to chase one of those down. I, I don't think that's going to happen today. No, and uh, I guess I'm always in the go after it, kill, 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 kill mode, especially against these teams that sit back. And and after that goal, we just kind of laid off. And I know a lot of people do it, but obviously it's a truism. You're most likely to get scored on right after you score a goal yourself, right? So it's kind of a natural, almost like human thing to happen. But I'm kind of alarmed that, you know, we're not ready to go and like just go get them again or even, it, you know, they sat back the entire game and um, right after we scored, it was kind of like, oh yeah, here, Wales, here you go. Just go ahead and uh, start to build into the game instead of just um, crushing them. Seth, did you see anything else there? No, I mean, I think that really summarizes it there. I mean, we saw an England team earlier today that went on and that they scored their first goal. And they kept on the pressure. They scored a second goal. They scored a third goal before the half. And they ended up winning 6-2 today. They went out and they did not take their foot off the gas. And the United States, well, not that we really even had it down there. I mean, I was looking, XG is obviously a very imperfect stat. And you get a, what, 0.79 XG just for the PK. But if you take out the PK, this was an even match. I mean, Wales won XG by, again, about 0.8 in this, but that's the PK right there. I mean, this is a match, even if they didn't get the PK, they probably deserved a point because the U.S. didn't actually try to play for three points up one nil. That's disappointing. Yeah, do you think that was just kind of the players um, getting lost in the moment a little bit, or do you think that's more of a coaching thing? I mean, it could be column A, column B, but I would have expected, I mean, if you flip on the Premier League random games all weekend, watch the goals, almost every single one of, well, not every single one, but um, a fair amount of them are crunched in the midfield, ball gets turned over, push it to your guys forward, bang, ball ends up in the back of the net. And we were just dominating the midfield, as Braden's said repeatedly. So why wouldn't we just kind of clench them and go try to get more? Do you have any thoughts on that, Seth? No, you're thinking incredibly logically right now, and I have those same thoughts running through my head. It's like, okay, we have three mid- – I mean, Adams is sitting further back, but you have midfielders in McKenney and Musa that do that in – I mean, not in the Premier League, but in La Liga and Serie A, um, well, if they're healthy. Um, but most weekends, they get to a point where it's not like they don't do that on a regular basis. They have – forwards that, that are of nearly the same quality. Yes, we don't have a true number nine on this team like they what you would have at Juventus or over at Valencia at the moment, but you still you can still create opportunities. And this team, uh, frankly, lacked the verticality that Greg Berhalter is so um, is trying to install at his team. It is that we saw it on the, on the goal there, but another opportunity is where are you extending the field? And it was like we were great at extending the field from our back four into the midfield, and then it just seemed like we sort of lost the uh, lost the gas pedal and getting it to the front line. So, um, Braden, do you think this is just like a well teams kind of do this sometimes, or is this something Greg told the boys to go do? I think it's probably mostly teams kind of do this sometimes. And I think it's when goals happen, it, it's a motivating factor for the other team as well. Obviously, like you get scored on, you want to go out and set it right. And so I think sometimes it can be difficult to react to that and, and keep up that same intensity or, or even raise your intensity to match the other team's increase. 
And I think we maybe just failed to do that a little bit, especially in the second half. Uh, what is a little bit disappointing to me is I feel like this is a game state that we should have practiced for and, be, and been prepared for, that if we go up a goal and Wales have to open up, that's not what they want to do. That's when we need to go and, and really attack and try to put the game away. And there were a couple chances, like there – there were a couple times where Weya was making a nice run uh, in behind, and I think Pulisic just missed him and, and chose to chose to play it out to Robinson, which was kind of fine. But it's like he really have he has space in behind; he can beat his man. Like let's let's run it back for goal two, and it just didn't happen. So uh, it's a little bit of it's a young team and learning how to win games like this and when to apply the right amount of pressure. I think it's something we're going to have to get used to and get better at, and they need to learn it quick. Like you got two more games. Yeah. And I, guess, uh, it, well, I mean, one thing I, did, I didn't mention there is you get to a point where Wales was sitting back in, I mean, effectively a nine man back line for a lot of that match. So, and they do have tall guys there as you're mentioning, like there, but we, there, there were still opportunities to spread them out more than we did. And we definitely could have taken advantage of that. Yeah, there were, it wasn't full, but there were definitely a horseshoe of sadness moments in this game where you're just kind of taking the ball around. And I saw a couple of times too on the right where instead of maybe taking that skip pass and going back to the center mid and really like crushing that defense uh, inside more, it's just kind of like, okay, well, we'll play it to the short guy and then we'll play it to the other guy. And then they get two extra seconds to move the whole um, defensive shape and everything's just dead and gone. And um, I mean, it's a learning experience, but that's something you got to see in practice too, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, You'd hope so, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I think let's uh, let's move on to the second half, and I think for me this is the big turning point in the game. That's a pun on accident, but uh, Dan James comes off for Kiefer Moore, mm-hmm. and uh, Kiefer Moore has been on um, a little bit of a hot streak for Burnmouth, kind of playing this setup role a little bit more. Um, and he didn't see it straight away, but definitely later in the game, um, he's he's essential to everything they're doing. Um, Seth, did you see anything kind of, I thought we came out a little flat, but um, they were also breaking up the game a little bit with some fouls. Um, Anything you saw that you wanted to see differently in the beginning of the second half? Well, I mean, it was clear that Wales' halftime transitions there were going to be, okay, you're bringing on Kiefer Moore, who, again, is a huge guy there. You knew you were going to be a target. They were trying to figure out, not necessarily a PK, but where are they going to get a set piece to to level up this match. Ideally, they were looking for two of them to obviously get all three points as well. And that, I mean, the strategy ultimately worked there. I mean, in the, Kiefer Moore really should have buried that chance um, but 60, at the 64th minute there. I mean, Turner made a great save on that ball. But our back line, I mean, we talked about it in the preview podcast here. I mean, we didn't think that Tim Ream is necessarily a guy that's going to be able to run with everyone. He's strong at marking, trying to work on that stuff. But going out there for 90 minutes, I don't know if we're giving – I mean, we're not even going to get into Zimmerman stuff until later here. But it is <laughs> look, looking at that line, it's like, okay, Dest was clearly not fit. And he, it was honestly a little surprising to me that he was not subbed off in that first wave when Weston McKinney went out because he just could not handle the pressure coming down his side because he's just not 90 minutes match fit yet. No, I agree. Um, I think it was the save was off Ben Davies because I was making a big Arsenal Tottenham um, thing about it. But Moore was the one who had the free header inside the six off the corner and just put it right over. Um, Braden, anything to add kind of early second half? To me, it was mostly a disappointment that uh, 
we didn't i don't think we reacted to wales changing uh their game plan their plan of attack uh quick enough i think that uh, we were kind of passive isn't exactly the right word but like look more presents a different ta- challenge than dan james and i think we were very well equipped to handle the dan james challenge and very ill-equipped to handle the more challenge and I, you know there's only so much you can do do to adjust to six five uh but i I would have liked to have seen us maybe get a little more aggressive at closing down crosses and, and, and that sort of thing. But I, I just, whether we need to inter, interject a little bit more pace, energy, whatever you want to say, like Wales took it up a notch and we didn't get there. And I felt like the subs had maybe come a little bit earlier. Maybe those guys get into the game a little bit more and maybe we'd be prime to take advantage of it but I, I think it was a little late and we were just a little slow to um, react to Wales. So we kind of mentioned the two chances they had um, right after that we sub on Aronson for McKenney who's hurt he's not playing well. Um, Braden, do you think we made that sub too late at right about the right time? I, I mean I think you had to give McKenney a chance to, to go and then once it was very clear that he just had no more and I'm like, I, I think that was the right call at that time. Um, I don't know. Like, it's very easy to sit here and say, um, oh, we should have done this. We should have done done that. It would have made all the difference in the world. Um, but, you know, when you're the guy on the sideline having to make that decision in real time, it, it, it's trickier. So I, I don't want to go too hard on Bear Halter here. But I, I, I just think that even something for freshness sake, even just to break the game up while Wales was building pressure. Because if if we had gotten a second goal or even just like taken away some of the momentum that Wales was building, I, I think maybe the second half turns out a little bit different. I just think we didn't uh, do enough there. Okay. Um, I'm going to vehemently disagree with you, but let's uh, take the first whack at that. No, you, Devin, you go. Um, no, I think you could see by 55 that – Easily, Weston wasn't cutting it, when, and he was the guy to come off. I mean, I'm not saying he was the main problem or anything, but um, he was the obvious choice to come off, and we need to do something to change it up because they had gotten into the game, and we needed some kind of wild card. I'm sure they tried to fix it on the field, but um, something needed to happen, and Aronson is your go-to. Something needs to happen, guys. So um, if you're going to make that change, I think you have to make it about 10 minutes earlier, and I know we're trying to – there's probably a minute limit. We talk about fitness on this a lot. Um but, you know, that's that's all well and good. But when there's a 1-0 lead and uh, you, ha- you have the chance, like you said, to kill it, um, why don't you go ahead and go take it? Uh, Seth, you want to jump in and tell me why I'm wrong here? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think you're mostly right here. I mean, you take Weston off. You, would, I mean, I've already said earlier that I would have taken Dest off in that first window as well. Um, I mean, I think one of the things that this team is lacking, Kellen Acosta is a midfielder who absolutely deserves to be on this squad, but he doesn't bring you the same game that Weston McKinney does. He's not going to be as edgy of a box-to-box midfielder. He's going to be... He's not going to create as many opportunities. Luca Della Torre can sort of be that person, but we have no idea how match fit he is. And I would have would not have minded. I mean, you obviously you bring in Aronson there, but Aronson's not really a traditional midfielder in that sense. And at, once Aronson came on, yeah, he was versatile. He definitely showed that he belonged there. But it almost felt a little bit more like we were playing with two midfielders and four forwards at a certain point there. And um, some of our cohesion just went away with him being there. I mean, he's an energizer bunny. 
money and he can be almost anywhere. But um, it still just didn't feel like it was the midfield was anywhere near as cohesive with Aronson there because that's not really his natural position of sorts. So, Devin, I've got a question uh, for you around uh, the substitution. Do you think that any of this was with an eye towards deploying Aronson against England and uh, and making sure that he is kind of fresh for that as opposed to playing a full high-intensity second-half type thing? Because I kind of wonder if that's why it maybe came later than, like you said, it was clear that uh, it was clear that McKinney was struggling. So, yes, I'm sure that's part of what was going on in Greg's head. And I, you know, if this all works out and we run out one zero winners and um, everything looks great, I'm sure we're going, yeah, it was a really smart idea to save Brendan Aronson's legs. Right. Um, But uh, we are here to to, um, quarterback from the couch and we're here to second guess everything. But um, I thought clearly we need to do something to change the game. And you only get you're only guaranteed three matches in the World Cup. Um, do it earlier. It's almost like a, a playoff situation in North American sports where kind of the rules go out the window a little bit. And yeah, maybe you had this plan, but you got to look at the game state and and decide, okay, well, you know, 10 minutes earlier, Aronson's one of the fittest guys on the team. He plays at Leeds where it's go, 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 go all the time. And also, if that's your opinion, would you rather like put him on and maybe hope that you're going to outplay England who quite frankly looked amazing earlier or secure your three points against Wales in a game you're already ahead and you probably should win. Um, It's a decision. I think uh, the manager needs to make the manager made it. And uh, it, you know, I'm not saying it's the cause of us uh, not getting the win here, but it's, it's certainly a contributory factor. Um, Anything you want to add? I think that's all fair criticism. Yeah. And and I guess the the thing we haven't gotten into yet is um, what's going on with Gio Reyna. Like, would have loved to have seen him there later in this game, especially as someone who could play, again, a similar role, part, partly in midfield, partly moving forward. Um, I have no idea what his health looks like because he is, seems like he's um, sometimes a um, like anything you could you – know, the wind will push him over and have him hurt. <laughs> and obviously you want him to be available for Friday. But I would have loved to have seen at least 10 or 15 minutes from him today. And not sure what Greg was thinking there. Um, I didn't see it because I was mostly watching on Telemundo. But apparently Jenny Taft on Fox asked um, Greg a few questions in the post-game interview and didn't even bring that up. And that's, that's, that's really, that's almost, I'm not going to say it's worse than not covering human rights. That's a, that's an exaggeration, but it's, it's not a journalist doing their job there. Like it is crazy to me. That's the first question I'd be asking Greg Berhalter is you have someone like Gio Reyna. Why do you not bring him on as one of your subs in a game like this? Well, I don't know. Jenny Taft doesn't know. Greg didn't tell us. Um, Brayden, any guesses? I uh, no, I, I I don't have a good guess as far as that. Um, I I think Geo could have come on and made a big difference, but um, again, maybe it's different plans for different games, and, and we may see Geo against England. So we'll see. Um, it does feel like an opportunity missed, though. Do you? Um, I'll open this up, Brayden. You can take first go at it, and then we'll ask Seth, but. If Geo doesn't start against England, do you wonder why he was even brought? Because if you're not going to bring him in here and he's not going to start against England, what's he there for? Yep, uh, that's a that's a great question there. Because um, uh, you know we talked about in the in the roster preview of like if Geo Reyna is fit and ready to go, and maybe there's some question marks there. Like maybe uh, we're thinking that in a week Geo will be you know more ready to go than. 
he is today and, and maybe there's some risk of injury there because we we all know how fragile maybe isn't the right word um, for it but uh, geo uh, struggles with uh, staying healthy so maybe maybe that's the concern i i don't know but it certainly seems that if you need to get something uh, from this game like geo could have provided something like he he is one of those guys that has a little bit of magic and i guess when you're we weren't chasing a game, so it's not anything quite like that. But I, in a game that I think could have used an X factor for the U.S., I think he could have been that. And it's a little bit disappointing that uh, we didn't see it. Yeah, all good points. Seth, anything to add? Um, apparently, Greg has in his post-game press conferences that Gio will be available for the England game on Friday. And there was no explanation provided for his lack of minutes today. Well, hey, you know, when we run out, 2-0 winners on Friday because soccer's coming home. Well, I'll, I'll just sit back and laugh at this, right? Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and move on to the the next batch of subs. Kellen Acosta for Eunice Musa, uh, DeAndre Yedlin for Serginio Dest, Haji Wright on for Josh Sargent. I think these are all, you know, approximately the right call. I mean, there's maybe uh, something you want to say in there for Jesus Ferreira, turn and burn. Um, behind the defense that's going to have to come out more. But I think these are all good subs. Um, Seth, anything you want to say, either pro or against? Um, were you – I wasn't surprised at all. Yedlin's the experienced guy uh, to see him instead of Shaq Moore. Um, anything you want to say here? No, I mean, the subs all made sense to me, especially getting someone like right in there at that opportunity. Did he touch the ball at all in the 30 minutes? Like, I mean, I'm sure he had, like, two or three touches and something. I just don't remember it. But, like... Yeah, he actually had some pretty good uh, build-up and a halfway decent header before the goal. But after uh, Wales scored, he didn't really... Yeah, I was about uh, to say, the last much. 15 minutes there. But he, he felt borderline invisible out there. Yeah, and I uh, I saw the classic, uh, oh, well, this would be a great time to have uh, PFOC in there. It's, well, guys, uh, PFOC's not going to do anything. How do you write some not doing here? So I, I don't yeah. know how uh, how true that one is. Uh, Brayden, you want to add anything? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think Haji Wright, especially at the time that we made that sub, was potentially even as much about defending set pieces as it was like mm, his own ability to attack. Because, like again, Wales has some large dudes over there, and Haji can at least be can do that job and, and help out there with um, you know Zimmerman looking like he has his hands full at times, which is understandable. Again, you, you, there's only so much you can do about 6'5". Um, so I, I think that may have been around some of that, but it's a little bit of a give and take because you're absolutely right. Like the, the corollary of that is, it's like, if you, if you have a guy like Ferreira who really can get in behind, like now you've got a real threat as a, in a counterattack. And I think we were kind of missing that a little bit. I, I think we didn't have much of a release valve of pressure and potentially just having someone that we can lump the ball down towards and have them go chase uh, against some, what I think were pretty tired and labored uh, Wales defensive legs might have been helpful, and maybe that was the right call. But it's a little bit it's, – it's, again, it's one of those decisions that you got to make at the time. And I think bringing on Haji Wright to even help solidify your defensive set pieces is a completely reasonable call. Yeah, and even if he's a guy that you play the ball into and say, oh, hey, let them take a whack at you, go over, get a foul, let's burn two minutes off the clock or something, I totally understand it. I think it's a very, very defensible choice, but – um, I was just presenting the other option just in case. Um, you guys want to talk about the bad thing? <laughs> sure. I guess we have okay. to, yeah. Let's talk about the bad thing. So um, there's kind of a weird back and forth on the sideline 
Uh, Wales take a quick throw, kind of um, dink the ball between a couple of players. Ramsey connects. I don't remember who was the first or second pass. Um, I just remember the blonde hair popping out. And uh, when the uh, that throw-in came in, I went, oh, they are fired up for whatever's going on right here. Um, ball comes in. Zimmerman takes out uh, Gareth Bale. I know we kind of touched on it, but um, Braden, anything you want to add beyond what we had earlier other than, you know, this is an incredibly stupid decision by Walker Zimmerman? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those – I one of my pet peeves is – making is, is making challenges when guys aren't facing the goal uh to, that, that gives the other team a penalty like it's one of those i i understand that clearly our defensive game plan was built around bail and keeping the ball away from bail and making other guys beat us but when he has the ball like he's not facing the goal like there's only so much damage you can do if you just get up tight to him and you know Make it if if he just like turns and puts one in the top corner, like sometimes like fine. <laughs> Players who are that good, like sometimes they're they're going to beat you. But to give it kind of on a silver platter like that when it wasn't immediately dangerous is really fun. Yeah, um, I totally agree, Seth. Anything to add? No, I mean it was <laughs> no. You you. I don't know whether to laugh or cry because there he was of no threat there. Yeah, if he hits a wonder goal, like Braden, like you're saying, okay golf clap it off and run it back there. And he's Gareth Bale and he can do things like that, but he wasn't going to score from that opportunity. Do I think that Wales probably would have found an equalizer in the resulting 17, 18 minutes of that match if he doesn't get there? Yeah. I just don't think that we were, we weren't doing anything to build up Aronson notwithstanding. We weren't doing anything to make sure that they were not controlling the tempo of that match and they were going to create something and they created it. They took advantage of it and they got a deserved draw. Yeah. And I mean, just to echo what Braden's saying too, I'm very from the Paolo Maldini Italian. The only, if I've got, if I have to go to ground, I've already made a mistake type of thing. And I mean, there's, there's no reason to do it. And he, you can see him as soon as uh, Bale goes over. He's already shaking his finger saying no, 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 because he knows what he did. Um, and he's trying to get out of it, which, you know, with this ref, maybe we get lucky, but that probably gets, I, I think that gets overturned on VAR, even if we get the call initially. Um, Seth, I, I don't know about you on that one. No, I mean, that, that that was the clearest day penalty. I mean, the refs, it was interesting. There were some people who were, I mean, we had when I saw that we were going to have a Qatari crew, I was a little um, suspicious of that. I mean, these refs have done Gold Cup. They've done Asian Cup. They did some of the World Cup in 2018. But this was not the finest crew. But we didn't lose the game today because – or we didn't draw the game because of the refs. They did not end up making a difference, even though they could end up making some differences um, – down the road there, like with Des's soft yellow, if he ends up being getting a yellow against England and he's out for Iran, that's, that could be a huge challenge there. So that's the kind of stuff that they screwed up more today than any of that call. We did not, there was no suffering, um, immediate suffering um, because of the refs today. Yeah. And I, I think I mostly agree on the refs. They were like bad, but kind of normal MLS, even like premier league bad where there was a play early, Pulisic goes down. It's probably a foul. The ref doesn't blow for it. And a Wales defender comes over, clears it directly off a Wales defender's chest. Out should be a corner. He goes, oh, goal kick. And everybody's just standing there like, what yeah. are you talking about? And I think there's another one for Wales. So it wasn't exactly like one-sided in the second half where we got a throw that was clearly, or they got a throw that was clearly a corner or or something along those lines. But it was, it was bad. It was kind of 
to an extent consistently bad with the exception of the uh there's a late foul by one of the Wales guys who kept going down Harry Wilson I think that was clear as day pullback yellow card every day of the week and he went down and started grabbing his leg and it was like oh well surely you're gonna see through this right and he was just like oh no this poor poor lad here isn't uh isn't getting a yellow card because he's getting subbed off but um I think you put it pretty accurately. Like it was, it was a bad officiating crew, but it didn't cost us the game. Um, Braden, kind of same opinion. I, I mostly agree. Like I think he was bad on both sides, which is if you're going to have a bad ref, like, that's the way you want it. I guess it, is where it's it's not like it's it, it didn't feel biased or one sided. It just felt like a ref that struggled with keeping control of the game and kind of setting um, similar standards because. I thought this was going to be a yellow card fest once we had the first two early ones. Same, and, then, yeah. and then it just kind of stopped. So I don't understand what that was. So I don't know. Like, that's annoying, but the rough was bad, but in a way that's kind of fine, I guess. Seth, this actually, um, Braden, you probably didn't watch this game. This reminded me a little bit of the uh, Austin FC away to Sporting KC game. <laughs> Where basically no, Austin no, got that was that those rests were way worse. Okay, well, I just meant there were like two absolutely nothing yellow cards in the first half, um, and then this uh, this poor kid from Sporting gets two yellows in about three minutes to end the first half, and then nothing in the second half was a yellow card, and um, yeah, it was it was a tough one. Um, I mean, the goal itself, nobody's saving that. Um, like we said, uh, Turner gets a hand to it. Um, he was upset with himself, but Gareth Bale absolutely smacked the shit out of that ball. So I don't, I don't think you can blame anybody for that. No, um, I mean, no, the, hell of a the, only, the yeah. only thing that would be crazy is that if we get down to the tiebreakers, that one of the final tiebreakers is um, comes Yellow down cards. to cards, yep. and if we end up missing the uh, knockout stage because of the number of yellow cards, um, I, I'm going to have some choice words for that. Yeah, um, you're going to hear some uh, swear words from me that I don't think anybody uh, knew existed before then. <laughs> but maybe in um, Welsh and Farsi too. Yeah, we'll yeah yeah, we'll uh, we'll hopefully not cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, I know we say we don't do stats, we do vibes here, but I thought these were interesting um, about that goal. Uh, first goal for Wales against the USA in all competitions. Um, the USA haven't kept a clean sheet in any of their last 18 World Cup games against European nations since. Any guesses, Braden? Is it Joe Gachins? Uh It is Joe Gachins. Wow. England won zero in 1950. So we're going to vibes our way that one forward. Um, the STL boys played well today. We'll get into that uh, after we do the final um, bit of the game. But um, they're going to hopefully be key. I mean, no one, Greg, he's not going to start either of them or something. But um, <laughs> Um, so let's kind of move forward. Not a ton happens. We bring on Jordan Morris for Tim way. Uh, we kind of touched on the geo side of it. Um, aside from him, cause let's just put that to the side. Uh, would you, who else would you have chosen besides, let's say geo is not available for whatever. Um, Seth, are you still going to take Jordan Morris or would you take maybe Ferreira or Christian Roldan? Who would you have brought on? I think I would take Roldan at this point because Ferreira, I mean, yes, he occasionally plays off something, but Ferreira is really more of a traditional number nine. And so is right. So like, we're not going to play, we're not going to play two strikers at this point with uh Berhalter ball. That wasn't going to, wasn't going to happen there. I would, I'd think Roldan would be the logical choice if Reina couldn't go. Um, obviously Reina would be number one there. Um, and Roldan has, I mean, 
yeah, I would have I would have brought him in there. I don't know what uh, I don't know know why Jordan Morris is on this team. Um, you, you're gonna laugh at me saying this, but if Paul Ariola was on the team, Paul Ariola <laughs> might have been a good choice in that like ten minute situation. I can't believe I just said that. But well, that actually, is... watching that uh, that game, I might agree he would have been better than Jordan Morris at least because you know what we could have used a corner, and that's a specialty kicking it off a defender's shins for a corner. So. Um, hey, um, couldn't, couldn't have been a, a ton worse. Braden, anything you want to add on there? I mostly agree with you about the aerial take. Like, it's one of those, <laughs> I, I kind of, when Morris was called up, I was kind of like, well, it's, it doesn't matter because he's not, like, you look at this U.S. lineup and he's pretty unlikely to play unless we're in kind of a dead rubber situation. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I would have preferred to have seen, um, even if we put in like a Luca De La Torre type in there, uh, like maybe it's not a direct forward for forward swap. Like maybe we go with something that gives us a little more control in midfield, uh, especially with McKinney out there, like move Aronson up and put in uh, De La Torre um, back in midfield. I, I like that would have been an option. I would not have gone with Jordan Morris um, just because I will never go with Jordan Morris. <laughs> like I just, it, it's not the, it's not the choice I want to make, but maybe there was some sort of like, we need some veteran leadership or something. I, I don't know. That's really all I've got. Yeah. I think kind of the consensus outside of the Pacific Northwest is, well, I don't know who I would have put in there if Gio wasn't available, but it sure as hell wasn't Jordan. <laughs> Anyone else. So, Aaron Long. Um, yeah. Aaron, I was well, going to say, we could do that Harry Maguire striker thing. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, I'm sure a majority of Sanders fans would have been perfectly fine seeing Christian Roldan out there instead of Jordan Morris. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he can send it across. So we'll, uh, I guess we'll never know. Um, one last bit I think we didn't cover on the refereeing, and this isn't the end of the world, but the, and it happened for us and for Wales, the constant like blowing the game dead when a guy goes down with like a, an ankle injury that clearly isn't that serious. Um, did you guys have a problem with that? Do you think that was, majorly contributory to the extra time or were we going to get eight nine minutes no matter what um seth i'll let you take first go with this we were going to get eight nine minutes no matter what i mean we look at the injuries there i mean nico williams's injury was pretty i I mean he continued on for a few minutes after that which is amazing to me like that one actually looked like oh crap he's actually down um but yeah, no, the, the refs were being I, – I feel like they're, they're giving more deference. It's not just the ref today uh, – not just the ref in this game. We've seen it in the first three games of the World Cup, aside from this as well, that they're letting them go down. They're letting them take their time. They're letting them play through stoppage time. I think that, especially this being a mid-cycle World Cup right now, that there's gonna that's going to be the norm in this World Cup, that they just expect that so many people are going to get injured, that they're going to give deference to the general shithousery of this tournament. And we're going to see – some really funny things as teams realize that very quickly. And I expect that we'll see some managers shifting some of their, um, maybe not formations or anything, but um, shifting some of their substitutions and other realities based on the fact that the refs appear to be calling the tournament that way so far. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think Nico Williams is actually at least, you know, he may not sit out the next game, but he was definitely hurt. I was talking a little bit more about the the Harry Wilson cynical bit and the Ethan Ampadu who I think. Oh yeah, of course who went down, you know, five times in two seconds. And, um, you know, I'm always a fan of, if you do that, you don't let him immediately back on the pitch. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be three minutes or chuck him in the, the sin bin for anything, but um, you don't let him just, uh, as soon as the ball's kicked, walk back on. Um, Braden, you want to jump in on this? I, I think that's pretty accurate. Like, it, it, I was it the opening match where 
they also like stopped the game for a non-head injury, and I, I was a little confusing. So I don't know if that's going to be a thing that we see throughout the World Cup. Maybe it is. Uh, but I, I found it a little bit odd. And, and going back to kind of what we talked about as far as like the early yellow cards and then kind of nothing after that, I, there was a time where like Pulisic went down and Wales just kept playing. I was like, well, are we going to – are we going to stop this? Like, <laughs> like we stopped it these other two times. Why, why are we still playing? Um, but I, it's just kind of how the ref chose to do it. They at least seem to add the time on for it. So that's kind of fine. But I do wonder if, if kind of like you mentioned, Seth, uh, if managers start to uh, pick up on this and maybe there's a little bit more uh, shenanigans as far as like trying to break up teams' momentum uh, when they start getting a hold of the match and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I got a little bit of, uh, sorry to Arsenalify this again, a little bit of the uh, Bukayo Saka vibes where uh, there's 21 guys on the pitch who have one set of rules and there's one guy on the pitch who has a different set of rules. And that's kind of how Christian Pulisic was, was getting done today. And I mean, I think some of the times he went down and, you know, did his little flail, flail around and complain about stuff, they weren't fouls, but um, you know, it, it was a weird game refereeing wise. And I, I think they need to, quite frankly, just mature around it and go, okay, sometimes we get bad refs. We play in fucking CONCACAF. We should be used to we this should stuff be by now. Yeah. yeah. It's like, um, I, literally, we should be more prepared for this sort of shit than anybody in the tournament. But um, uh, one last bit on on the game. I'll let Braden, you take first go at this. Uh, Matt Turner comes off. His line heads a ball away. Ball gets turned over. Gareth Bale's about three, four steps inside. The center circle starts to wind up. Kellen Acosta very wisely, and this we kind of said, and I think in both the um, group preview and the uh, the roster preview, this is what I want Kellen Acosta there for, know when to haul a guy down and get a yellow card. Um, if Acosta's not there, do you think Bale scores that? I think there's a good chance Bale scores that, uh, but I, I don't, like, I saw someone being like, oh, that should be a red card, and I was like, I, I do not know what you guys are, are on there. It's certainly not like a clear goal-scoring opportunity. It, it would still be a, a pretty significant hit. And I, I was just very worried. Like, I did not want to play that through my Arsenal mind of Gareth Bale <laughs> scoring a winner like that against the World Cup. Like, that that was, like, just worse nightmare type things uh, going into seeing him about to take that. So, Colin yeah, Costa, I'm very happy about that. Imagine if, you, if he had hit that shot and you were a uh, Philadelphia Arsenal fan. Good Lord. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> Seth, anything you want to add here? Oh gosh! I mean, a, um, a dog so in at least my definition of it is that a normal player would have an obvious scoring chance. You can't, you would not give a dog so for that situation because Gareth Bale is not a normal. I mean, yeah, you could have Gareth Bale, Patrick Schick. There's a few people out there. Where you're like, you're like, okay, yeah, they're probably going to score that. But it is, um, yeah, no, you can't give a red in that situation. And if they did, that one would be, Berhalter would have been leading off his conference, press conference with that right away. That They have to go look at that. They'd have to go over Sid Nunn. He'd be right. So at least the rest were bad, but not atrocious today on that. And that was absolutely a yellow card, but that's what Acosta was there to do. And he did yeah. his job. Yeah, and exactly. To add to that point, though, if it had been a red, still 100% the right call to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. It would be, it would be the best red card in a World Cup since Luis Suarez's sure. handball. 100%. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right, so that's kind of the game recap. Um, let's kind of synergize this a little bit. Seth, 
Um, let's kind of take this tabula rasa, who is kind of your stock rising or who would be your first guy on the team sheet based just on this game, um, for next game, uh, Tyler Adams. I mean, he's, he's a captain for a reason. He was outstanding. He was officially named man of the match. Um, he looked the same guy that he looked at Leeds. And that's one of the things when you're trying to see players, I mean, Gareth Bale today looked much better than the Gareth Bale that we saw at LAFC because, Wales sets up their formation to center around Gareth Bale, and LAFC never did that. Um, you look at it, it's rare that you could see a player play the same role for club and country, and Tyler Adams did an outstanding job of that today. So he absolutely deserves to continue to wear the armband, and hopefully he can go another 180 minutes um, in the next uh, two matches. I think so. And I think, too, the other thing that uh, we saw that we didn't necessarily know we were going to get on the World Cup stage from Tyler Adams was he was definitely a leader out on the pitch. Like anytime you got to see, you know, shoulder slumping, people are jogging a little bit. He was very he'd either make a play or uh, be very go, go, go. Come on, guys. Um, and I really appreciate that. So I think, it, you know, he has the armband for a reason. I guess we saw why. Braden, any thoughts on uh, Tyler Adams? Yeah, that, that's going to be my pick as well. Like I thought Tyler Adams was clearly the best player on the pitch. And yeah, like you mentioned as well, like has the leadership uh, qualities in there as well. So I, I thought Tyler Adams had an absolutely fantastic game all the way around. All right. Well, unfortunately, Seth already took Tyler Adams. So um, who uh, who are you taking instead? So I guess my pick from there would probably be uh, Tim Wyatt. Like I felt like he really did a you know a strong job in that first half of being a nuisance. Uh, down the right side of the attack uh, all not, all game long, especially in that first half. Um, takes his goal well, uh, and is just constantly buzzing around, really has the technical ability. Um, I think there's a little bit of a problem because I really want to see Brendan Aronson in the team. Um, but Waya played great tonight, and I, I think from that, I think he deserves to play again. If, if he can go and this wasn't like any sort of, um, time like minutes management or anything like that with the sub. Yeah, I would think it's you know if there's any hint of an injury, they they take him off. But um, Seth, did you want to say anything about Tim Tim Wea? No, Tim was outstanding today. I'm glad that I mean I think that it was just at a certain point of okay, let's get someone else fast up there. I guess Jordan Morris is fast enough. Um, didn't really work, but um, no, I, I would expect to see Tim Weah starting up there. I, I don't know if we'll see, and obviously I assume to see Pulisic up there again on Friday. I don't, I don't know if we'll necessarily see Josh Sargent up there um, starting on Friday, but um, yeah, the other side should should stick out that way. Okay, well, uh, turnabout's fair play, I guess. Uh, Seth, you took Braden's. Braden took mine. <laughs> Oh, the other thing on Tim Way, I don't think a lot of people, they didn't show this in the highlight that well, but uh, that weird play about 15 minutes in where we kind of cross it and the Wales player almost like hits this bullet header past Hennessy, um, but actually hit him straight in the chest. Otherwise, we would have been up uh, 1-0 off an own goal. Um, yeah. That ball comes over the top of at 50, 60 yards. That ball doesn't touch the ground again until after it hits off of Hennessy. Way literally like one foots it thighs it up and then crosses it without it ever touching the ground. And it was just an insane bit of skill that I don't, I didn't see anybody highlight enough. Uh, maybe you guys did, but I uh, wanted to get that note in, I guess for mine, um, I'm going to go with Tim Ream because I didn't expect a ton out of him, but he definitely had a lot more defensive ability. He had a very good yellow card. We kind of talked about that a little bit with Acosta, just hauling down bail before anything could happen early in the second half. Um, I expected Zimmerman to be a lot more reliable and I mean, he was good on set pieces and uh, for the most part outside of that, uh, that key for more chance. 
Um, but Reem was very solid, very reliable, kind of what we all expected Zimmerman to be. Um, so I think he's going to be my choice since you guys took the other two good ones. Um, Brayton, any thoughts on uh, Tim Reem? No, I think that's a, a good call on Reem. And maybe that's a little bit of like damning him with low expectations or something, because sure. I was not expecting to sit, sit here and say Tim Reem is a, a stock rising, but I think he played a good game. And that's kind of what we need out of our center backs is we know that's not strength of the team. If we can get good, consistent play, I think that's going to be good enough. Uh, Seth, anything? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think that he was he was solid there, and we did not expect – I mean, we were so used to um, Walker Zimmerman being the one solid center back on this team, and maybe Tim Rehm is the one solid center back on this team. It would go to form with how he's played in the Premier League so far this fall. Yeah, we uh, – <laughs> I was kind of thinking about it earlier. Everybody kind of shuffled down a slot where we had uh, Walker Zimmerman doing the, uh, the Aaron Long things. <laughs> So um, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe uh, Tim Ream, at least for the next week or so, is the best center back we have. Um, now we got to do the sad part. Um, Seth, you got to go first for good. Braden, you got to go first for bad. Um, based just on this game, who's kind of your stock falling? Uh, this is a little tough. Um, and maybe this is going to be the opposite of Tim Ream. It's maybe like damning from high expectations, but I'm going to go with Pulisic. Like, I think that we need more from a guy of his quality, uh, you know, wearing the number 10. Like, I think we need him to be a star if we're going to do anything. And he wasn't tonight. Like, he had some good moments of play, obviously gets the assist for the goal. But I just think that more has to run through him and he has to be more of a difference maker uh, for us to go get past the group. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think we kind of touched on that too with – you know, Tim Way is streaking down the right and he takes this safe pass to Anthony Robinson. Is it the wrong pass? Well, no, but it's not the game-breaking, like, killer pass that we need. You know, I wish they would, for the love of God, stop calling him Captain America. But um, as long as we're making that killer pass or at least trying it here and there, right? Like, it puts the defense on their on their toes on notice about it. And maybe they're, they're thinking, oh, wow, we got to actually double cover this. And uh, it opens more space for that Robinson pass. Um, Seth, anything you want to add? Um, yeah, I mean, it was he was just. I mean, he uh, he obviously did have a really nice assist, and I don't think that Pulisic will not be starting on Friday. I mean, it, he's still he's still one of our best players, still on the uh, focal points of the team. But yeah, I agree that he was not in our top half of players today. Okay, um, who did you have for not the best game? Stock falling. Well, I mean, the obvious one is Walker Zimmerman. I mean, even aside from the penalty, he was not as dominant as he needed to be. And honestly, his form had looked a little weaker in the second half of the MLS season than it should have been uh, based on where we were at. And I think that we had him at a stock. He was just an overvalued stock to begin with. And even if he doesn't give up that penalty today, that he looked vulnerable. And let's face it, that you have to go – this is the weakest striking core of teams in the group here. You have to go face England where, I mean – Gosh, they scored six goals today, and Harry Kane didn't even score. Um, and you have to face um, Iran at the end. And, I mean, Mediterranean did have a brace today. Yes, it was one of them was a late PK. But he still did score two goals. At least this is the weakest striking core that we're going to have to face. And I just don't know if our center backs are ready and up to handle it. I hope they are, but I'm sure as heck nervous about it. Yeah, and I think this is a corollary in with what I was talking about with Tim Ream. It's not that Zimmerman, outside of the penalty, right? Like, obviously, we're going to pick him for that, right? Um, outside of that, it's not that he was bad. It's that he wasn't a force. He was just kind of okay. Like, he did it enough, but not like, oh, wow, what a great clearance. Or, you know, that was really powerful. Or, oh, wow, Zimmerman, if he was just a little bit higher up, would have nailed that one to the top corner off a corner, right? 
Uh, granted, with the delivery, it wasn't always the um, best chances for him. But uh, I think you mentioned he he faded a little bit in the second half of the MLS season. I wonder if we didn't kind of see that trailing here. Braden, anything you want to add? So one thing that I noticed, uh, if you watch the opening uh, match of the World Cup, uh, which if you didn't, that's fine too. Um, Qatar does a, did a thing where most of their players didn't play any club. They just played uh, with like the Qatari national team and they went and played some matches and that sort of thing. And they looked really flat and like they were not game ready. And I wonder if there may be some of that for our MLS guys who are out of season and maybe it takes them a match or two to get back up to speed. And hopefully this means we see better performances from Zimmerman going forward. And maybe it's just like shaking off a little bit of rust and going up against guys who are completely match fit. And if that's what happens, like, so be it. Like, that's that's part of it. Uh, but we need to see him play better quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, I think what happened with Qatar was completely different. I think that, oh, we are playing in front of the entire world right now. Like, that they were in a moment there where they haven't – yeah, they've had a few home matches in the um, Arab Cup and a few other tournaments, but they have not they, – they felt a pressure of a moment there, especially after a 90-minute opening ceremony or pregame warm-ups are screwed up because of it. I just think that they were not ready for the moment yesterday. Um, that was what I saw in that match. It was, I mean, I saw the same team. And for some reason that they switched goalies uh, between their Gold Cup where they made a semifinal run where they're, uh, who's now their backup goalie, who's actually the brother of their Olympic high jump champion of all things, um, who was outstanding when the U.S. played him, um, played them last year in the Gold Cup. I don't know why he was on the bench because their Qatar's goalie was God awful yesterday. Um, but yeah, Qatar didn't rise at the moment. I don't think, I mean, the MLS players, I mean, Walker Zimmerman hadn't played a match in a month, but had played plenty of scrimmages and other things. I don't think it was a match fitness thing there. I just think that he just was simply wasn't ready for the moment. And you could have been playing every week and still not been ready for the moment there. And we do have to remember that outside of DeAndre Edlin, this was everyone's first World Cup game on that pitch. Like, that is a – and honestly, DeAndre Edlin's another person who, yeah, he was the right sub to come in, but he didn't really do much of anything of note. I mean, I guess that's probably a slight downgrade for him, but at least he was there and didn't have a royal screw-up that led to another goal. Yeah, and I mean, you you mentioned it. He's out there for experience, not because he's DeAndre Edlin world burner, right? It's, <laughs> hey, he might know when to haul this guy down and – uh and when to maybe calm everybody down, maybe do a little shithousery. He's not wide-eyed Shaq Moore, right? That's that's why he comes in. Yeah, you don't you don't bring 19-year-old Joe Scally into that situation, even if he plays day in and day out for Gladbach. Yeah. Um, so kind of on that that line a little bit, I'm going to take uh, Serginio Dest. I don't know who's the early yellow or if he's just not. I know he's been having some injury struggles and he's not getting in the team as much as he would like at Milan, but he didn't look like his old self. There was one where he whacked one into about row Z, 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 where there were about three or four really good passes. And I know he's trying to create something and I do understand. And he's trying to put his stamp on the game, but I think he needs to cool it a little bit. And Greg maybe needs to sit down with him and say, Hey, you're not swashbuckling Serginio Dest right now. If you see a chance, go ahead and take it, but you know, play within yourself for a little bit. Seth, you want to comment on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, he, if for us NFC fans, he looked like Nick Lima out there for a bit. And that's not a comparison that you ever want to hear for a national team player. Um, yeah, no, I mean, he has not looked great at AC Milan since the transfer. He has been dealing with some injuries and I guess maybe a 
myth of a life crisis. Uh, you can't even have a quarter life crisis at that at his age. But um, it is, uh, yeah, he does d- definitely doesn't look like his best. And I, I'd be curious maybe if we do see a Shaq Moore start against England. That's not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, I could see it, especially if you give him a little more time to prepare. He's not just chucked on uh, in the end there. Braden, anything you want to add? Yeah, it's it's hard to tell exactly with Dest. I, I didn't think his, him taking a shot was there was that bad, even if the result wasn't wasn't what we were hoping for. I, I sometimes feel like maybe that was just we're going to take a shot, see if we can loosen up this defense and make them come out and, and challenge us a little bit. And uh, it wasn't there. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, I just – and how much is down to yellow card? How much is – like – we talked about some potential fitness and sharpness issues with him from his playing time or lack thereof in AC Milan. Uh, but it just, it didn't seem great. It didn't seem like he was playing at, at his top level. So hopefully he can rediscover that. Um, we'll see. I, I but I, I agree. It's a good choice for Stockpiling. Okay. Um, I'll come straight back to you on this one. If you could make one sort of change for the England game, and it doesn't have to be, it can it, it can be whatever you want, really. Uh, I mean, you could pick, we only eat lasagna for the next three days, but um, is there a formation or a roster or starting lineup change you would make for the England game and your prediction for the game, having seen both England and the U.S. play now? I think my change would be Aronson uh, for Sargent up front, because I just think with, the the center backs that England are playing with, um, I didn't think Stones looked great today. Um, McGuire uh, is McGuire did look great actually, but he almost scored yeah, the first goal of the game. Yeah, yeah, but like we know that McGuire you know, has a mistake in them. I think that having that pressing and the ability of just kind of like creating some chaos there from Brendan Aronson is really going to be. X factor isn't quite the right word, but I just think like that can be the sort of thing that makes a difference. And we're going to need a little bit of luck, a little bit of chaos. And I think Brendan Aronson's a guy who can kind of create a little bit of chaos because he runs everywhere. He's, he chases down every ball. Like I think that that's a player we're going to need against England. Uh, Seth, anything to cover? Uh, oh, Braden, what's your prediction? Oh, prediction. Um, I, I've got to say like I was – pretty sure we were going to compete against England um, until I, I kind of saw them today. And part of that was built around, uh, I felt that Southgate wasn't going to start uh, Bellingham. Um, I, I felt he was going to stay with the more conservative, like two holding midfielders. Um, Bellingham throws a, a, a wrench in that a little bit because I, I think he's a guy who actually matches the athleticism of our midfield, um, which was hopefully going to be our advantage there. So I, I'm going to go with a 2-1 loss. I, I think they'll be too much for us. But I, I think we hopefully get in there. And uh, you know, if we can keep it close, keep goal difference down, uh, that could be really important. So, uh, that, yeah, let's uh, let's go get them. Jude Bellingham, the first player to score a World Cup goal born after the release of Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Holy shit, we're old. Yeah, um, let's not talk about that. Seth, <laughs> Seth any thoughts on uh, Brendan Aronson for uh, Josh Sargent? Yeah, no, I, I, I like the idea there. Um, I also think you have to find a way, even if he can only go for 45 minutes of getting Gio Reyna in there at the start of the match, 
on Friday. I mean, having someone with his explosiveness to, like, I, I mean, Harry Maguire and John Stones would struggle with a player like Gio Reyna. And if you're going to know someone who knows how Jude Bellingham plays, why not pick his teammate um, in Gio Reyna? Um, that's, I, I think that if you know that Bellingham played as well as he did today, yeah, Reyna, Reyna, Aronson, and Weyes somehow have to be on that pitch. And I'm, I'm going to let Greg Berhalter design a system that gets all three of them on the pitch to start the match. Okay. Um, I think those are both very good suggestions. Seth, do you want to make a prediction? So on the what you're on the original podcast, I said this is going to be a 1-1 draw. I don't feel very good, and I would love for that <laughs> prediction to still be there, but I'm feeling after watching today that it will end up being a 3-1 loss. I still think the U.S. gets the first goal against England, catches them off guard, but if we sit back the way that we sat back with a 1-0 lead today, England would easily put three past us, if not more. Yeah, um, I did not get filled with a great amount of uh, hope after after viewing that. Uh, Braden, do you think we should add Geo to your mix as well? I I can see it. Like, I, I even if, like you said, even if he's only good for forty five minutes, I, I think he does have the skill that you know. Like you said earlier, if we're not going to play him, why is he here? <laughs> he is on the ball like one of our most talented players, and and someone who can compete at the level of players that England has. And all of our roster can't do that. So um, I hope to see him out there for sure. Okay. Yeah, I think if he's ready to go, I want him out there. Uh, my change is I would switch to more of a a two at the base, four, two, three, one type of um, type of setup with Aronson kind of at that uh, tr- uh, press trigger, uh, take Weston off, put in Aronson. If we can get Gio on the field somehow, um, whether that be for Sargent or um, I would I would make sure Way is still out there. But, uh, yeah, I kind of like Seth's way of putting it. Hey, these guys need to be on the field. You figure it out. That's why we pay you, right, Greg? <laughs> um, so um, any thoughts there? Uh, basically, I was taking uh, Braden's idea from instead of Sargent, who I think we can keep up there, for me at least, uh, switch into a 4-2-3-1, Weston off for uh, Aronson. Um, Braden, any thoughts there? Uh, that would work for me. I, I think that's – we've got to find a way to get Aronson, I think, on the pitch. And if Weston uh, is struggling with fitness, which it, it certainly looked like he was uh, in the second half of this match, like maybe it's right that we sit him out when what I think will be a pretty high-intensity game, um, you know, just like this one was, especially in the second half. Um, I, I think maybe that's the right call there. Seth? Yeah, no, I, I'm in agreement here. I mean, Weston is not going to be able to go 90 minutes. And if, if I'm only going to be able to have Weston, if we're down in a level match, and honestly, like, Weston's intensity is something, yes, you have Acosta that we talked about who did his job well today. I'd rather have Weston McKinney doing his job in 65 to 103 or whatever, however crazy minutes of stoppage time we'd have if we're down in a close match against England in this World Cup. That, yeah, no, I think you want to have Weston at the end of the match. Okay, we're going to wrap up here in a second, but we got to do my favorite part. Seth, biggest moment of suffering? Biggest moment of suffering, I mean, it's obvious it's going to be on that penalty, but it's more just the lack of, uh, just the lack of intensity once we were up 1-0. Like, that was just like, oh gosh, I just got lulled into it, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast. And just that moment of, this is okay. And then realizing, no, we're the United States men's soccer team and this is not okay. And that's it's, real suffering. And it's never going to be okay. <laughs> um, Braden, how about you? 
All right, so if the penalty's taken, um, my choice is going to be uh, not getting the own goal at the start of the match. I, I, I think if we had gotten that, um, like I said, the bullet header back to Hennessy, who you know, it just was lucky enough that it hit him square in the chest. Um, if that's you know a foot either side, uh, that's one nil, and we were off to a flying start. And I think we probably take control of the game from there. I don't think we would sit off at that point. I think we would continue uh, playing at kind of the level we were playing. And I think especially when we think about how good we were in that first half, I think we go and get another goal there and probably kill the game off. Um, it's just disappointing that that didn't uh, materialize for us. Yeah, and I, I think for me, that we're, I agree with you. Like uh, We run that game out 2-0, 3-0, 3-1, something like that if that ball goes in. But uh, Hennessy didn't even see it is the worst part. It just smacked him in the chest and he never saw it. <laughs> All right, well, for me, the uh, the clear moment of suffering, and if there's nothing that this podcast hates more than uh, being ahead and having that sinking feeling in, in your stomach, it's uh, when I'm right, because there's nothing that we absolutely hate more than me being right. And it's... Uh, it was seeing Kiefer Moore come on because I was just like, oh, my God, something's going to happen with this guy. And uh, he missed that that free header and it kind of went, OK. And then he had that great slick back heel to, to I think it was Bale in, in the end stage of the game. And I thought that was going to be it. And uh, all right. Plenty of suffering to go around, I think. But I think the we all agree the clear winner is the, the Walker Zimmerman penalty, especially if you didn't see it live. It would just be the the replay where you go, oh, yeah, yep. Yep, yep, no doubt. <laughs> um, all right, well, we've been going a uh, little over an hour here. I was about to say, this is longer than stoppage time in the four matches we've had so far in this tournament. <laughs> uh, any any closing thoughts for you, Seth? Um, I, am, I was already going to be nervous for Friday, and now I am borderline terrified after seeing this performance of what England did this morning. Um, so, yeah, Friday, um, I managed to get through the entire match sober today, mostly because I was still technically working from home. Um, Friday, I won't be, and I don't think I'll be able to keep any sense of sobriety for that match. I expect everybody on this podcast Friday to be deeply into their cups. Um, Brayden, any uh, final thoughts? Yeah, so... I know this match feels like a loss because of when we concede the goal and such, but it, you know, if you had given me one point against Wales uh, to start, I probably would have said that's probably fine. I, I'm a little bit more positive. I'm very worried about England after the demolishing that they did of Iran, but I think we're a good bit better team than that. And I think we match up pretty well with their midfield. Um, it, you know, we need a few things to bounce our way, but we're going to have a shot. It's going to come down to moments and whether we can, whether we can take care of that to, against England, like we didn't do today. Um, so I'm still somewhat optimistic, if not confident. Yeah. And I guess I didn't drop this in, but my opinion hasn't changed. Soccer's still coming home. It's still going to be two nil USA. They still have a King. It's still going to be a repeat. It's going to be the STL boys. We got it guys. I'm not even worried. Maybe a little bit. Maybe that's a lie. <laughs> um, all right. Um, yeah, I think I agree, though. We're going to – I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess I would put it, for Friday. I'll change that about 27 times, especially when I look at the lineups. Um, but, you know – We see Jordan Morris <laughs> yeah. starting there. Jordan Morris and Christian rolled out on the wings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, well thanks. I, I, I will end on a positive note here. The U.S., this is our 10th World Cup. 
in the five World Cups where we've gotten a win and a draw, we have moved on to the round to the knockout stage. And the four ones that we've lost, we have not. We did not lose today, and that should be that's a statement in and of itself. So hey, you know what? It's still it. a heck of a lot better to be here than to not be here. Yeah, and I believe we tend to do a lot better when World Cups are not on European soil as well. Yeah. Well, who knows what soil this is actually on, but that's a whole nother course. <laughs> yeah. Seth, we're already past uh, stoppage time. We don't need to do a whole nother uh, additional um, stoppage time. Well, thanks both of you for joining me. Uh, don't forget, follow us here uh, at Suffering Pod on social media. Follow Braden at TFA Braden. We love you, and we will talk to you after USA 69, England nil. Thanks. Bye. Promise here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego for goodness. He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just won't go away. Oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory. 